Are you ready for something more, better, or different? Have you been looking for more success in your life? Here is your opportunity. Dr. Young's show, Transformation for Success, will help you discover a future for change with possibility thinking, new vision, and creative solutions to impact a more fulfilling lifestyle. Dr. Barbara is an accomplished leader and change guru who is passionate about helping others to gain the triumphs and successes that lie ahead. She brings you up close and personal with interviews from successful experts, corporate leaders, sports figures, entertainment personalities, coaches, thought leaders, and authors who dared to dream, take risks, and gain success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello, and a big shout out to all of you, and I want to thank you for coming back every week. I so appreciate your years of listening to the Transformation for Success show, and I hope that these shows will continue to bring you some enjoyment, some encouragement, and some hope as we navigate through these challenging times. This show is now being sponsored by ETM Media, E-Magazine, and m Real Magazine, and I'm so excited each week to be a part of this group who is making a difference on the new media platform. I realized recently that I had not shared with many of you my television network, Transformation Success TV, on the Voice America platform, and so there are eight channels that you can access to see these shows. They're up every Friday, so I invite you to access the Empowerment Channel, where I host The Total Woman Show, a show with hot topics and that shares the challenges and success stories of women from industry, entertainment, and business. Today, you will hear a story of a fantastic woman I met some time ago and was so impressed with her. So you will hear her story of how poverty and lack does not deter your future success. My guest today will tell her story of how she broke this cycle, reached for the stars, and has had an amazing career as a successful entrepreneur who holds five professional licenses and is a certified public accountant and attorney. So stay tuned to hear my guest today, Miss V. Ada Carlisle Sands. So we're broadcasting live, and you can listen to us on the Empowerment Business and Influencers channels. We're also syndicated on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And you can also access the shows on your home smart devices. So I encourage you to share the show with your colleagues and friends. And if you enjoy them each week, you can also subscribe on my website, drbarbaryoung.com, where you'll get weekly updates on the upcoming shows and other great information that I share. Now, let me bring on my guest in the studio today, Miss V, Ida Carlisle-San. Greetings, Ida. How are you? I'm doing well, Dr. B. I am so happy to be on this show. Oh, my goodness. This is <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Information for success. Well, it's yes. our pleasure to have you on the show today. And I want to share uh, with the listeners a little bit more about your background because truly you have an extraordinary story of success. And so um, let me just share Attorney Ida, as I call her, uh, shared that she grew up in poverty. She constantly moved from city to city with five brothers and sisters that often had no beds or food. Children made fun of her clothes, and one of her school counselors even told her that she was retarded and should not even consider 
going to college. So Anna, share with me and the listeners what this was like for you and how did you overcome this. So share with us a bit of this story. All right. I'll go. Well, there are lessons that I learned along the way, which, mm-hmm. and those lessons made me the person I am today. One of the lessons, as we moved from school to school, I was big for my age. And mm-hmm. my older brother, he was a year older, he was small for his age. And as we moved from school to school, the local bullies would always pick on my brother because he was small for his age. And um, I would always try to shelter my brother, you know, and to protect him. Uh, Even though he was older, he was smaller. So I would always step in and face the bullies. And I would always tell him, "Run, run home and get help because I wanted him to be safe and out of the way. And I would fight the bullies myself, usually they were, because I was big for my age, it would usually be two or three of them against me. And I would always make sure, now I have to tell you, with the odds like that, it was either a draw or sometimes I just plain lost. But I made sure that one of my opponents had at least a knocked out tooth or a bloody nose or something. <laughs> I made sure that each one of them had something showing that they had been in a fight. Now, what I learned as a child is that if you fight hard, the people will remember that you fight hard. And Mm -hmm. even if you lose, they're not going to pick on you again, or at least the lesson that I learned during that process is that whenever I fought, if I fought as hard as I could, they wouldn't pick on me again. Even though I might have lost the fight, they would never pick on me again because they said, yeah, I can beat her, but I'll probably get a black eye. I'd probably get a bloody nose. I'm probably going to get a tooth knocked out. Yes, I can beat her, but I'd rather pick on somebody else. So that my brother and I were safe. And as an adult, I see now that that was a good strategy. And in fact, I always use that exact same strategy in... Um, in my attorney work. Now, as an attorney, I fight as hard as I can. I'm usually against a big law firm with hundreds of attorneys, and it's just me by myself. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to... um, Let let me stop you for a minute and go back before we get into um, your being an attorney. Tell me, uh, and I really appreciate your sharing that, that, you know, fighting back and fighting hard uh, is a principle that you learn. But how were you able to break out of the, the poverty cycle while, you know, even today there are so many people who were unable to or they say they were unable to. So what was your secret strategy, if you have one, for breaking out of that cycle? The way I broke out of that cycle it was really my teachers that got me out of that cycle. Um, I had been placed in a youth facility. My mother had placed me in a youth facility. And so uh, my teachers got me out of the youth facility and they were instrumental in getting me into UCLA, University of California at Los Angeles, which is a very prestigious school. 
and they got me out and into the dormitories. So my secret weapon then were my, my high school teachers. They saw that I had potential, and they really mentored me and got me out of the, that environment because most of the other people that um, stayed in the, that environment didn't have a good ending. A lot of them became um, drug addicts or drug sellers uh, and wound up in prison or dead or junkies. And so that the environment that I was in was, um, it's, I have to say, it's very hard to break out of. Uh-huh. And that kind of environment, I have to say, if you don't have someone to help you break out, you really can't just break out on your own. That kind of environment requires that you have some kind of help to get out of that cycle. That's right. Which is why, which is why even today, I go back to the local high schools that I graduated from, and I say, look, I grew up in the same environment, and I broke out of it. And I offer my phone number and say, if there's anything you need, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And, you know, I I grew up right here in Watts. I went to this exact same high school, which is Jordan High School. And I want you to know that I am here for you. And you can break out of this. You don't have to stay in this environment. So I want everybody in this classroom to know that you do not have to stay in this environment. And I would be more than happy to help you get out. Right. Uh Right. Go ahead. Well, I don't, you know, I know that um, you had shared that you grew up in poverty and you were constantly moving and you had five brothers, five sisters, or five brothers. And that the thing I'm going back to is that you came out of this, but how did this impact you when children made fun of your clothes and one of your school counselors even told you that you were retarded and that you should not even going to college? So if you say that your teachers helped you, but then you had a counselor that told you you were retarded and should not even go to college. So I want to you know, get back to that because there are so many people <clears throat> that have had these words poured into them and they take that on and it becomes their life because it's like the prophet, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy. So how did you avoid that? You know, and somebody telling you you were retorted, how old were you? And that you shouldn't even consider going to college. Were you in high school when that happened? And um, then you're put into a youth facility. These are traumatic things. So tell me, how did you conquer this? Well, I was told that I was retarded by a school counselor and I was in junior high school at the time. And my parents had told me that I was smart. And so when I asked the counselor about uh, my test results, the counselor told me, okay, back, you have to remember back then the word retarded was not a bad word. People used it. Right now, you know, Currently, we call it, you know, mental disabilities or disabled, mentally disabled. But back then, they used the word retarded. That was an accepted common word. 
Uh-huh. And so the counselor said, according to this test, you are profoundly retarded. And I said, what does profoundly retarded mean? Because I hadn't, hadn't been told those words. And he said, what that means is that you're not able to go to the bathroom by yourself. And I said, wait a minute. Wow. <laughs> I go to the bathroom by myself all the time. So your test must be wrong. And it was kind of the first time that I ever told a teacher or a counselor that they were wrong, you know? And, and uh-huh. it was the first time that I challenged the, um, a, you know, just directly challenged the counselor and said, you're wrong. This, this test is wrong, you know? And that's when it, re- it kind of clicked in my head the system is wrong. This is, this is not right. You know, you're telling me I'm profoundly retarded and I can't go to the bathroom by myself. And I know I go to the bathroom by myself all the time. So this system, this test has to be wrong. And that's, I think that's when the light bulb clicked in my mind that sometimes the system is, is wrong. And I, I was, lucky. I was lucky because my parents always told me that I was smart. Okay. And I, I believed them. So I did have my parents to help me. Now my parents divorced and when they divorced I sort of lost my footing and, and uh, I lost my way in the world so to speak and mm-hmm. I wound up being um, a victim of a local adult and a male adult, and I wound up um, as an early youth, I think it was 14 or 15, 14, anyway, 15 when I became uh, pregnant, and my mother, already having six children, just could not she basically had a kind of a mental breakdown and said, I can't do this anymore and mm-hmm. uh, placed me in a youth facility. Okay. And another reason they placed me in the youth facility is because uh, the police asked me who the father was and I wouldn't tell them I was a child at the time and yes. I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. That was my yes. thinking. You know, that was yes. my child thinking. You know, this man was nice to me. He gave me fruit and he gave me candy. You know, so yes. I didn't want to get him in trouble. As an adult, I look, you know, I look back and say, "Hey, I was a victim at the time." But as you know, I was a child and I wouldn't cooperate with the police. And when I wouldn't cooperate with the police, my mother said, "Okay, time for you to go into a youth facility because I do not want you having three or four or five kids. You know, I you need to get yourself back." together. I don't want you. Uh, and I, I believe the only way you can get yourself together is to go into a youth facility um, and learn that you have to cooperate with the police. You have to not get yourself in trouble. And mm-hmm. uh, back then, you have to remember, 
when a girl got pregnant back then, they said she got herself pregnant. Now, as an adult, you know and I know no woman can get herself, or girl could get herself pregnant. Absolutely. <laughs> it takes two people. But the thinking back then was you went and got yourself in trouble. You went and embarrassed the family. You went and got yourself pregnant. And that was the common theme back then, is that if you got pregnant, it was because you got yourself in trouble. Anyway, the bottom line is I wound up in a youth facility, and that's where I gave birth to my son in the youth facility. And needless to say, when you're in a youth facility, you can't keep your children, so he was placed for adoption. Oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. It had, it, yeah, it had a profound uh, impact on me. Um, being placed sure. in a youth facility, of course, since my parents had always sort of been my cheerleaders, and, and now, you know, without them, with them, in my mind, thinking they had turned against me, I uh, lost a lot of self-esteem. I'm sure this is very, so, very difficult, and I really want to thank you for sharing and, you know, being so transparent and authentic about it. And so when we look at troubles uh, for many youth and many young women, we've all had our experiences. So when we come back after break, we're going to talk about how Viata Carlisle Sands turned her life around, went to college, University of UCLA, and how she succeeded and where she is today. So, listeners, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to come back. Because right now, all of us can hear some words of inspiration during, and during challenging times. So stay tuned, and we're going to be right back with my guest today, Ms. Sands. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore what we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Hi, and welcome back to my guest today, Miss Otta Sands. And she is sharing her story, how poverty and lack does not deter your future success. So, Otta, I'm back to your story. Stellbound and other listeners are wanting to know what happened. You get out of the facility. Unfortunately, your son was given up for adoption. But now we want to segue to how in the world did you get to UCLA from this youth institution or youth place. So now we're going to hear that story. (laughs) Okay. Well, as I said, my teachers at Jordan High School, which is located in Watts, uh, Los Angeles, they facilitated me getting um, into UCLA. Mm -hmm. At the time, they had what's called the Upward Bound Program, uh, and UCLA was into affirmative action. And so that's how I got into UCLA. It was my teachers. I lived on campus. And uh, see, at the time I went to UCLA, I was 17 years old. And I lived on campus. And the students there were, a lot of them were from well-off families. I didn't have, of course, my mother wasn't able to send me any money to help me out with, you know, toiletries and that kind of thing. So um, I worked, and back then they called them maids, but now they're called housekeepers. Okay. So I worked on campus, and I worked in the cafeteria to get my, you know, spending money for my incidentals. And uh, so during the school year, I worked in the cafeteria, and... During the summer, I helped with the, I was a maid housekeeper. So you were able actually to support yourself. Um, You were able to support yourself while you were going to college. And um, uh, how how were, did you have mentors who helped you uh, along the journey while you were in uh, UCLA? I did not have any mentors at UCLA. And that was a difficult time for me. So I sort of kind of drifted when I was at UCLA. I studied, but I didn't have a study group. I studied sort of the best I could. And I became involved in a lot of, um, a lot of activities during that time that that was during the civil rights movement. And so I participated in a lot of rallies. I joined various organizations. I think I joined every civil rights organization there was at the time. <laughs> I think I joined every single one of them trying to find a place, trying to find a place that I fit into. And so that was uh, my journey through UCLA, trying to find a place that I fit into. Um, what kept you motivated so I didn't really uh, have any- to find your fit? And, and, and I want to know what motivated you to find your fit and how, why did you, how did you happen to find that being an attorney was a fit for you? Well, actually, the attorney part, well, I should say, I went to UCLA and I graduated from, but, well, I attended UCLA and then I became, I believe the word is now called militant. I, during my studies of America and uh, 
you know, when I studied the real history of America, I became very disillusioned with the system itself. I learned about, uh, part of my family is uh, Native American. I learned about the atrocities that happened to the Native Americans. I learned about the atrocities that happened to African Americans. And sometimes I would just cry my sleep and become so angry, but there was nothing I could do about, you know, slavery. There was nothing I could do about the genocide of the Native Americans in this country. And I became so angry until I dropped out of UCLA mm-hmm. and then started working um, and just got a full-time job uh, doing clerical work. And as the years went by, I said, you know what? I don't particularly care for this clerical work. And also, it came, my school counselor kept ringing in my ears. I kept remembering how he said, well, the most you could be is a clerk. And then I said, you know what? That's what I am right now. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to limit myself to just one kind of thing. I do believe that I can do better. So I went back to school at night at Cal State Dominguez, which is where I graduated from. And when I started working, my my major was accounting and um, business administration. So it was business administration, accounting. So I got my degree, and then I started working for the state of California. And I worked in the audit. I, I worked as an auditor with the uh, Public Utilities Commission. And I said, and, and I was called as an expert witness to testify And when I was there in the courtroom, I looked around and I said, wait a minute, I'm an expert witness. These people are listening to every word I say, and they're writing stuff down. Wow. You know, I think I'm as as smart as people, and I know they get paid a lot more than I do, these attorneys and these judges. I could be an attorney or a judge myself. After all, they're listening to me. I'm an expert. And at that point in time, I decided that I am going to be an attorney and then a judge. And uh, at the time I was working as an accountant, uh, I decided to finish. So I'd certified public accountant. And my goal then was to be an attorney and then a judge. So... After I became uh, a CPA, I worked at the CPA firm uh, to, be, to become a certified public You have to work for a, a CPA firm, and I did. I worked for, uh, it's now called KPMG, which is one of the largest CPA firms in the world. And I think you better ask me some questions, Dr. B. Well, the thing that I, well, this is fine, because I wanted you to say, you know, why don't you just share your story? First of all, you went to Dominguez Hills, and then you decided, you know, you were a clerk. It's interesting that people are always defining who you are and what you should be, but you defied those descriptions, and you went on to study to become an attorney. And so why did you want to become an attorney? Was it to uh, afford justice to people that you felt uh, weren't being given justice? And so what was your motivation? 
And then, because I know studying law is largely memorization and writing, as I understand it. So how long did it take you, and did you have uh, struggles in the journey? Because really, there are so many people who are listening to your story today of how you broke broke out of the cycle of poverty, having a child, uh, put up for adoption, and then now you've gone through several iterations in your life of being a clerk, a CPA, now an attorney, and then you want to be a judge. So just tell me... What kept, what was really the primary reason for the attorney looking to become an attorney at law? One primary reason. Well, the the primary reason, to be perfectly honest, was I knew I'd like I'd earn a lot more money. I have to tell you that was the primary motivation, um, mm-hmm. because as as an as a CPA. I was testifying in court every day, and I kept seeing these attorneys and judges, and I knew they earned double my salary. And I believed that I could, I was just as smart as they were. And it was something that I saw that I, I felt that I could achieve. And so that was my primary motivation. Uh, okay. Did your motivation in, change? In being an attorney. That Has was your my primary changed? motivation. <laughs> okay. Has it changed and what happened to, to lead it to change where you're now inspired to help and translate to reach out to other people? Well, what's changed now is that I have always, uh, since I was an old, the oldest child, you know, I wasn't the oldest in terms of age, but I was always the bigger one, always protecting my younger sisters and brothers. And so throughout my life, I've always felt like that. And I feel like that with regard to my clients. My clients are people that I treat them as if they're my younger sisters and brothers. My job is to protect them and to do everything I can to help them. So that philosophy of being the oldest child uh, translates with regard to my work in terms of being an attorney. What now, is your specialization? Of, I just want to ask that quick question, uh, Otta, because when you talk about your clients, what specialization uh, did you take as being an attorney? Are you a divorce attorney, a trial attorney? What kind of attorney? When I first began as an attorney, um, I had my own law firm. And the only reason I had my own law firm is because um, back, in the, back in the day, <laughs> nobody would hire African-American attorneys. You know, we weren't being hired by anyone. So our choices back then were to be unemployed or self-employed. Those were our only two options back in, back during that time in the 80s, in the 90s. So I determined, I decided I wanted to be self-employed instead of unemployed. Now I had been a certified public accountant, so I had some monies saved up. So I opened my own law firm and I did, um, I handled bankruptcy cases, uh, family law cases, uh, divorces, paternity, and uh, personal injury cases. So those are the three areas I, I concentrated on. Um, okay. Personal injury, great. bankruptcy, and family law. That's great. So that was... I have- <laughs> Ida, you've done you've done a number of things, really, <laughs> and so which leads me to another intriguing question because uh, I note 
that you are a real estate broker as well. So tell me what inspired you to become a real estate broker. Uh, you're still an attorney, and then, but you're also doing uh, real estate. So what is with that? Share with us. <laughs> I noticed that my clients who were able to afford my fees all had one thing in common. All of my clients who could afford my fees all owned real estate. And they either owned their house that they were living in or apartments or they all owned, owned real estate. And I said, wait a minute, I'm working for them. Actually, you know, I'm an employee of theirs, independent contractor, so to speak. And they all have real estate. You know, I think I'd like to get my real estate license as well. And so I got my real estate license as a broker. And so that's what motivated me to become a real estate broker. Also, okay. um, yeah, also real estate is, in general, when it comes to marriages and dissolutions, dissolving the real estate uh, has always been, you know, problematic. And I felt it would be good for me to, to learn more about real estate so that I could help my clients more. But it's mainly because I believed that it would help myself, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. would be helpful to me. So that's well, you why know, I you a real estate broker. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's really uh, an amazing uh, feat that you have done because, you know, you're breaking out of the cycle of, of your background while so many other people, you know, will become crippled because of their backgrounds and they don't, they're not able to make it. So I, I want to admire you for the things that you've done so far and, you know, to, to study and to do all of these things uh, that you have done, Ida. And again, being the oldest, uh, I know what that's like. <laughs> and I have another intriguing question. Were, uh, were many of your siblings as successful as you are? Have they come out of it as successful with their lives? My oldest brother did go to Lewis and Clark University, mm-hmm. and he got his bachelor's degree, and he became an engineer uh, for the railroad, and um, he had a successful career there. My youngest sister became a registered nurse, mm-hmm. and, you know, she was successful. My um, no, Another one of my sisters became a bus driver for MTA, Another one of my sisters, well, she sort of (laughs) never broke out of the poverty cycle. Let's just put it like that. And so out of the, so five out of six became professionals. And so I think that's a pretty good track record. It is. And one of the things that kept me going, Mm -hmm. go ahead. No, my question. One of the things that kept me going Mm -hmm. was that. I felt that I had to succeed. I had to be the light for my sisters and brothers. I had to be the one to show them that they could be successful at whatever they were, you know, wanted to do. And so I felt that that I had to be the example. (laughs) Right. That was my lead-in, not interrupting you, my dear, but that was my uh, lead-in that perhaps... You being the example that they could see their sister, although there were things that happened to you, and I'm sure they were aware, but how you overcame them 
And so you were that light uh, that illuminated that success can happen to you as well. So that's great. I, I really want to thank you for sharing that. And that's why I asked that question about how well your siblings had done. So one of the things that I, I want to ask you that you've had such a struggle in your early life. And when we come back, I want you to share how does that translate to how you relate and reach out to people in today's climate and environment? And what do you think will happen next for people who can break out of this cycle of what we're going through now in these challenging times? So I don't want to put you on the spot, but I really want to bring um, some reality to what we're going through right now and how you feel that has impacted or will impact many people and many professionals, particularly in your career as a real estate broker and as an attorney. So listeners, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to be right back with my guest, Miss V. Otta Sands today. So Otta, be thinking and we'll be right back. Okay. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red Sarah. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hi there, and welcome back. It's Transformational Tuesday, and I'm here with my guest, Miss V, I should say attorney, V. Ada Carlisle Sands, who is absolutely fantastic sharing her story of how she broke the cycle of poverty, how she reached for the stars and has become a successful entrepreneur who holds five professional licenses. She's a certified public accountant and an attorney. And I share that for those of you who might just be tuning in to the show today. So, Ada, as we were talking um, and before we went on break, we were discussing some of the things that you've learned and to put in perspective today for those people who are going through this pandemic all over the world. This is global. So we're in this together. And my intriguing question is, 
what would you say for those people, those attorneys, what would you say to people out there who are going through some things as a real estate broker and as an attorney? What would your message be? My message would, first of all, be that you should find, everyone should find themselves a mentor. And the mentor doesn't even have to know they're a mentor. For example, I found you, Dr. Young. I have been, (laughs) you were my mentor. Um, Whenever you would come into the room, you would light up the room. And you're so gorgeous and beautiful. And I said, when I met you, I want to be her when I grow up. And so I've been following you. And um, you have become my mentor. Now, I think during this pandemic time, it's important Mm -hmm. that everyone finds their strength. Everyone, for example, one of my strengths happens to be the transformational show. When I listen to other people's transformations, it inspires me on my own path. Another show uh, that I listen to is... um, Joel Osteen. Uh And so I think it's important for everyone to find their energy, to find the source of their energy. You're one of my sources of energy and strength. Thank you. (laughs) And so I think it's, and your show is one of my sources of energy and strength. And as we go through this pandemic, you need to find yourself a source of energy and strength. And if you don't have one, you need to look around and find one because going through these, these challenging times, you're going to need one. Uh, another thing that we need to do as, as people going through a pandemic is to look for resources. For example, there's the CARES Act, uh, which if you're an employee, there are a lot of benefits that you have. The CARES Act was passed by, you know, it's a federal program where Mm -hmm. the unemployment benefits are extended and and there are a lot of other um, advantages to the CARES Act. You need to look around for resources that are available. There are so many resources to help you through the pandemic. If you're a business owner, $2.2 trillion dollars has been set aside to help businesses with less than 500 employees. And even if you're a solo practitioner, this money was set aside to help you as well. So during this time, this pandemic, you need to look around for sources of strength. You need to Mm -hmm. to look around for resources available. When you're listening to the news, listen to the programs. Listen to... um, financial help that you're, that you're eligible for that's available to you and follow up. Just don't let things happen to you. If you're unemployed, file for unemployment. If you're a solo practitioner or if you own a business, apply for the grants that are available. Apply for the loans that are available. So don't become a victim Figure out a way that you don't become a victim. Figure out a way that you take advantage of, of programs, that you um, find your sources of strength. 
You better ask me another question because I'm going I off think on the this rails. Is, <laughs> Dr. No, Bing. you're you're absolutely right, and I'm just sort of repeating, uh, and I love your comments. Look for sources of energy for strength. Uh, look for resources, and there are all kinds of resources that are available to everyone. Be open to it, uh, and to follow up. Uh, you also said that there are so many things that are available for business owners um, who are even solo practitioners. And listen to shows that will help encourage you. You talked about the shows you listen to that give you help and support and encouragement. Um, Listen to financial helps because there are people out there who are making themselves available for financial help. You also said, don't become a victim become, and I added, become a victor, because we are all going through this together. We're finding the keys, the success strategies that are going to help us. The most important thing, and look, to my listeners out there, I paid her to say all that. No, I'm just teasing. But to find a mentor, find someone, look for strengths, people who inspire you. I think these are so important during this time. Find your energy source for transformation because we will get through this. Now, Ida, if you had to put up a billboard, (laughs) would this be an opportunity to an option to place a billboard in a certain space? Where would you put it and what would it say? Well, if I had to place it, if I was given. I'm given the opportunity to place a big billboard up. Hmm? I would say, thank God for all the blessings you currently have. And I would put it in a place where everyone could see it. Because one of the ways that you do not become a victim is to look at all of the uh, blessings you've already received. You have a car, you have some place to live, you have food, you have family, you have two arms and two legs, you have two eyes. I mean, you could just look, if you just wake up every morning, you have sunlight, you can just thank God for the thousands of blessings you already have, and as you thank God or the universe, which whichever, as you thank God or the universe for all the blessings you have, you get more blessings. Right. And Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's the key that most people don't know. The more you thank God for the blessings that you already have, the more blessings you get. Well, and that's you know kind what? of the way it works. <laughs> it's being, having an attitude of gratitude to be grateful for what you have. And I know that our Father, our Creator, love would love that we are thankful for what we do have. Just the fact that you can see, that you can walk, that you have a body that you can get around. Some people don't. And so I thank you for that. And to focus on thank God for all the blessings that you have. Well, Attorney V. Otter Carlisle Sands, your story has been very inspiring. And your comments about what we need to do during this ban- this pandemic because we're all in it together, I repeat, none of us are sacrosanct. And I know many of you have benefited from learning that, one, poverty is not a lack of character. And, not, and number two, poverty cannot define you nor deter you 
from your purpose. If you persevere as Ida did, and most assuredly, you have helped to reframe the narratives around the cycle of poverty today, Attorney Sands. So listeners, I want to encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, there is hope. And even in the midst of what we're going through now, you too can transform your life. You can retool, go back to school. There are a lot of online courses. If you want to be an attorney or you want to be a CPA, you can do that. A quote by Adam Smith says, the real strategy of the poor is the poverty of their aspirations. So, Ida, I want to thank you again for taking time from your busy schedule to be and share with my listeners today. And as I close the show today, listeners, I think it's a time that I say this, you know, because everyone can use some words of inspiration during these very unique and difficult times. Just watching the news, it can create panic or depression or even fear, particularly for those who are quarantined without others around them or even who have an extended family or a friend or support system. So as I close my show today, Transformation for Success with with Attorney Sands, I leave you with a word of encouragement from Martin Luther King, who said this many years ago. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. This, I believe, iconic quote resonates perfectly at this moment in time when we're all challenged to be our best selves. So next Tuesday, we have another guest on my show that you are going to absolutely be delighted to hear from. We've got a lineup coming in May that is absolutely outstanding. So again, it is my goal that this show will bring you hope, encouragement, strategies for more success in your life. And don't forget... Keep those letters, emails coming, info at transformationforsuccess.com. You can write me. I'll be happy to respond. Or you can access my website, drbarbarayoung.com. Thank you so very much for listening. And be encouraged. We're in this together. And Ida Sands, thank you so much for being the guest on the show today. Have a very blessed week. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for replays of the show weekly on the Voice America Business Channel and the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until our next show, have an outstanding week.